0: I should, I'm all good, I'm all good,
1: never knew I could, I'm all good, I'm all good. Phoenix Tales is a community celebrating everyday women overcoming extraordinary challenges in their lives, discovering the fire within, and like the Phoenix enduring the ashes to rise again. Each of you has a Phoenix Tale or a Phoenix Moment as we create this community of women with grace and grit, share your own Phoenix tale or your own Phoenix moment on our website. We're honored to hear another story to welcome another Phoenix. Today's guest is Sveta Renova, a media executive in New York City. Coming from a communist country as an international student, she faced the precariousness of her status here as world events shape visa policies. Undaunted, she was able to create a life, becoming a U.S. citizen who is fiercely committed to defending the values and ideals of democracy. Please welcome Sveta Reynova. Welcome, Sveta, to Phoenix Tales. I always start the conversation off by asking one question and that is has there been an event in your life personal or professional that's been challenging that might have redirected the course of your life? Yes, hi, it's
0: great to be here with you. I'm a big fan of the show. I would say there are a couple of kind of related moments in my life that have been challenging. I came to the US for college originally from Bulgaria and As an international student, you're governed by your student visa and what that permits you to do once you graduate in terms of staying in the country, getting a job, getting some work experience. At the time of my college graduation, I am a college graduate 2002, which means that I was doing my summer internship in the summer of 2001.
1: And literally
0: 10 days after my internship wrapped, 9-11 happened.
1: So I love this idea, what you're touching upon, which is about immigration and the complications that visas and so forth can create for anybody coming to this country and actually going to any other country. So can you? Tell us the process so that many of us who are Americans have no idea. We understand immigration policy as a political issue in the abstract on some level. We don't really understand it from a logistical, how one gets from point A to point B. So can you take us through that before we launch into that pivotal moment when the world sort of changed?
0: Absolutely. So to come here for college, whether it's undergraduate or graduate school, you have to first obtain a student visa. Usually, the student visa comes with what's called an optional practical training, or there's another one of them. I think it's called CPT, maybe career practical training, or there's two types that allow you to do internships during. Your time in school and then allow you to work once you graduate. You know, it's not the easiest of processes to go through every time I had to do an internship. I had to apply for a permission. I had like 12 months allotted as this optional practical training. So I had to apply to use a portion of it for a summer internship. This was way back when the world was less digital you submitted lots of paperwork to an immigration processing center, depending on your university's location. And then you kind of were in a waiting period, depending on kind of the processes. And so I did a couple of summer internships. And the first one, this is during my college career, the first one I had to start two weeks later than everybody because I didn't get my permit on time. But, you know, it worked out. I got to do the internship. Then I did a second one, which basically meant that out of my one year that I had six months left that I could use towards a full-time job, which meant that basically I had to look for full-time opportunities where the company would then be willing to sponsor me for what's known as a work visa.
1: So let's go back to that moment where you described September 11th, which ironically, we're coming up to the anniversary of very soon in a few days. Where were you in the U.S. when that happened?
0: I was in class. It's one of those moments where I think most of us know exactly where they were. I was in a public speaking class in my senior year. You know, we all arrived and the professor came in and kind of announced something terrible has happened and we all left class to go watch live on television that awful time in our history.
1: I know how the world changed. I think many of us, all of us do after that terrible day. How did it affect you personally? I mean, I've heard stories from friends who are of Middle East descent, all of a sudden getting pulled out of security lines, airports, getting asked questions, their passports being scoured over as if they were looking for, you know, a puzzle piece or something. How did that moment change things for you as a transnational and a, I guess at this point, an immigrant?
0: I'm from Eastern Europe, so probably it affected me less than folks who come from the Middle East from that perspective. I do recall that there was a period of time when They were checking people's IDs on public transportation. So I remember being on a bus. I I went to college upstate New York. I was on a bus to New York City and Mm -hmm. must have been a state trooper. I don't know what part of the police force he was with, but he came through our bus and checked people's IDs, which was unusual. And it did make you feel as someone who's not from here originally, it did make you feel a little kind of anxious
1: from the whole experience. And then how did that shape sort of your overall experience of being in the U.S.? And may I ask, are you an American citizen now or do you still work under the work visa?
0: I'm an American citizen now. I've been a citizen for a few years now.
1: Ah, That's wonderful.
0: Very happy and proud to be a U.S. citizen.
1: Can you tell us how that 9 11 moment might have shifted or shaped that process for you of becoming an American citizen, just from a legal standpoint? But I would also love for you to talk about it in terms of the emotional impact that day might have had on your decision to become an American.
0: To me, sort of the biggest emotional impact that day was because I had actually friends who worked in those buildings. And for a period of like 48 hours, I was on pens and needles trying to figure out, are all my friends okay? That was probably the hardest part of it. You know, I'd been at the site of the World Trade Center 10 days prior the event and had been sitting in kind of in that common park space in between the towers, having a cup of coffee and really admiring the architecture of the place and also the thoughtfulness of the designers to create this public space. And so the loss of that space felt personal because I loved that place and felt so awful about it disappearing and all the people who perished and all the first responders and Firemen who perished as a result. And for a while, I too, like many others, couldn't bring myself to go down there and see the pit that was left. To me, that was kind of the emotional and psychological impact of it. Uh, you know, over the years, as they've developed, redeveloped the site and created a commemorative space and new sort of buildings and kind of public spaces, I've gotten to be able to appreciate that part of town again. You know, from a legal perspective for me, in practical terms, what this event did was that I was interested in pursuing a career in finance. I wanted to be in investment banking. I had done a summer internship at one of the large banks, but all banks basically for a period of time paused all hiring. They were trying to figure out like everybody else was what's going to happen with the world, with the economy here and abroad. And they really restricted the number of people that were going to hire, focused on target schools, which primarily means all the Ivy League schools. I didn't go to one of those. I went to a independent liberal arts university. And so the bank with which I interned didn't have a spot for me after my internship. And so over two summers of interning in New York, I'd built relationships with alumni across all of these banks. So I called on all of them. Some of them were working out of hotels because Lehman had lost its space and yet they all answered the call and and they all were willing to help. And using that network ultimately allowed me to get into interview processes and ultimately landed my dream job at Morgan Stanley. There was no guarantee that I would land a job because of the restrictions. And, and, you know, I had understood what was going on and I wasn't blaming anybody, but it kind of felt, you know, it's difficult to have spent four years. My dream coming to the United States had always been to work on Wall Street. And so to have gone through like four years of education and not then be able to get that full-time job was difficult to process, but thankfully it all worked out in the end.
1: You said that that was one part of a string of events. So were there other moments where your life shifted because something difficult had presented itself?
0: There's a related experience that And after I got my business school degree, I graduated business school in 2009. So I lived through the Great Recession in business school. So I went to Harvard Business School and I was graduating from the top business school in the world. And yet there had been such a displacement in the world that I found myself in a similar situation. I would interned in London for the summer. I had an offer to go work for a British private equity firm that invested in Eastern Europe. So I was planning to move back to Europe and invest in the region that I'm originally from until Hungary, the country, almost went bankrupt. And the company I was supposed to go work for said, you know what? We're going to sit on the sidelines as it relates to Eastern Europe for a period of time. And so ultimately that resulted in me staying here. This is connecting a little bit to your earlier question, but in some ways that kind of disruption in the world changed my course because I would have moved back to Europe and probably not become a U.S. citizen, but I ended up staying here and continuing to build a life here and am very thrilled that I had the opportunity to eventually become a citizen.
1: I know that, Many international students come to the U.S. to get degrees from all over and a portion of them do stay. And then the other portion go back to work within their own countries, perhaps with the mindset of helping if the country is developing, helping to be a part of a movement to allow the country to develop. Now that you're sitting here as an American citizen and with all that's going on in that part of the world, Do you have a moment of saying, hmm, what if I had gone back to Bulgaria? What if I had become more involved in Eastern Europe? How much of an impact could I have made perhaps or contributed? And do you have any regrets about not having done that?
0: I probably could have had an impact on countries other than mine, unfortunately. (laughs) Bulgaria is an interesting place where we were a communist country for 45 years and have been on a path of being market democracy, but there have been a lot of turbulations along the way. And so I cannot say that the country's in a place has been over those years or ever will be in a place where it's worthwhile to go and bring what I've learned and launch a business or advise other businesses on the other hand, you know, other sort of bigger economies like Poland and Hungary and Czech Republic, Slovakia, those are countries where theoretically uh, working for perhaps a fund out of London, I could have had an impact. But I don't really regret it. I think I was meant to stay here. New York feels to me as my home. you know i I go and visit family in Bulgaria, but when I come home. To my place in New York is actually when I truly feel at home. I don't regret staying, and I've worked in the media technology industry post graduation, which has been a very dynamic industry going through a lot of change and a lot of exciting innovations. So my life has taken a different path, but I, I'm happy with how it's turned out.
1: And how has it been for you these past four or five years of watching what's been happening in in your chosen country <laughs> and having that perspective of you know you worked really hard to get here and you obviously worked very hard to create a life and more importantly to become a fabric of this country and then worked even harder to become a citizen so how has all of that, that's been happening or has happened affected your perspective on all of that
0: i have perhaps a different perspective than some folks having lived in a country that was once a communist country and became a democracy and value democracy uh, and the freedoms that come with it in some ways, maybe in a heightened way, because I know what it's like not to have them. I had always put the United States kind of on a pedestal ever, ever since I first visited as a teenager. So the events of the last four or five years deeply surprised me, I think. For majority of my life here, I could have never foreseen it. Perhaps I've lived in a bubble because I've mostly lived on the East Coast or West Coast. But the events of the last you know six years truly surprised me. I never imagined some of the things that have transpired. Saddened to see how close we've gotten to potentially lose this incredible democracy and this incredible country that there's none like it in this world. I look at what's happening in the Ukraine and the passion with which the Ukrainian people are fighting for their freedom are fighting for their democracy, where they're putting their lives in danger to preserve this precious democracy that they had been in the process of building over the last eight to 10 years. And and it feels like a number of people in the United States have lost this appreciation of this gift that we have of this democracy. It's been difficult to witness and I sincerely hope that we preserve the democracy and over time restore some of the freedoms that were lost in some of the most recent supreme court decisions for example
1: I think it's an interesting point that you raise you know for those of us who grew up in this country we take for granted this notion of freedom or democracy And we don't understand sort of perhaps the preciousness of it because we've never lived in a society that wasn't open and free. So can you describe the things that terrify you from your experience of having lived in Bulgaria? Like what are the things that terrifies you about what's happening right now here?
0: What terrifies me is being ruled by an authoritarian leader. And we see this, unfortunately, now also play out in Hungary, which is so sad to see, but where one person is setting the rules of how the country is run and governed, and there's no freedom of the press, and there's no freedom of elections. I mean, elections during those communist times were just perfunctory function. They were not real. You were only allowed to do what the authoritarian leader wanted to do, for example, things like, and I'm fortunate that I was fairly young when the regime changed, so I didn't experience some of what my parents and grandparents experienced, but I remember sort of taking my first trip out of the country to Morocco where my dad was working and needing to go first to the police station to request permission to leave the country before we could apply for a Moroccan visa. I mean, this sort of control over your movement, control over the economy and what gets produced and what goods are available. One of the most stunning memories is bananas and oranges and tangerines, whatever, were only imported during the holiday period and they were ration. Each family had the opportunity to buy two kilos of bananas and two kilos of orange or something along those lines, and you waited in lines to get it. And then I went to Morocco and went to one of their local markets where there were heaps of those types <laughs> of fruit. I thought I was a in Wonderland at the time. This experience of not being able to have access to diversity of foods and restrictions of sort of what you're able to buy if you wanted a new car. You were on a list for 10 years. All of those things were the restrictions as to what you had access to and what was available and the quality of the goods that were available. But there were then restrictions on your movements. My grandfather, who was a professor of physics, who pre-World War II studied under Einstein in Germany, could not get promoted up in the ranks of professors in Bulgaria because he was not a member of the Communist Party. So all sorts of examples of how restricted life could be and how opportunities were not available to all.
1: When you talk about that fear of where we are today, I think many of us in this country feels the sense of we're in the precipice of something. We're in the precipice of change and what that change is going to look like on the other end is going to be a surprise to all of us and it could be good or bad. Can you talk about what that feels like for you? I mean, I, I have my fears and I have incredible anxiety and incredible anger about so much that's happening, but I can't imagine having that from the perspective of your perspective of, you know personally what it's like. And my father knows personally what it's like because he's from North Korea. So can you talk about that a little bit? One of the beautiful things about this country and
0: democracy in this country is that people can organize and make their voice heard and that elections matter and have consequences versus what happens in some authoritarian countries, including my own in the past. The officials who get elected is kind of a predecided, in the way that people's votes get counted is not real regardless of whether people vote or not it doesn't matter because the decision's already been made who's in charge and to me what's been happening in some of the states with restrictions on how people can vote and limitations making it harder for people to vote is really concerning because I think that it removes what's made this country great, which is you know People passionate about issues and they have the freedom to elect officials who represent their values and interests. And if the rules of how elections are run are changed so that regardless of what the people want, their chosen elected officials don't actually end up taking office, then we're in really dangerous territory.
1: I think you mentioned a couple of moments that might have shaped your life up to this point that you can describe.
0: I actually graduated business school without a job because of what had happened with the Great Recession. So I was living through the same concerns of I only have a limited amount of time that I can look for a job here before I have to leave the country. It was a stressful period of several months.
1: If you could go back to those two moments and think about the uncertainty that you had faced and coupled with the uncertainty was the fear that you wouldn't just not get a job, but that you would actually be kicked out of the country. So can you think about those moments and looking back, would you have done anything differently or... You know, you keep mentioning that life happens for a reason or in its own way. But if you could look back, are there certain things you would have liked to have changed?
0: As I reflect generally on my career path, when I was in business school, people favored still going to work for private equity firms, hedge funds and consulting firms. Those were kind of the three most popular Categories of jobs. And I'd been in private equity before business school, interned in private equity during my summer, but focused on Eastern Europe. And so I remained focused on kind of staying in private equity as an industry. If I could do it all over again, I would have spent more time, first of all, taking entrepreneurial classes and kind of operational product management related classes. And expanded kind of my horizons outside of private equity and perhaps looked at sort of the media technology space while still in business school and perhaps gone and worked for a startup in that space. So that's what I would do differently. Otherwise you can't really control what happens in the world, both from sort of a geopolitical events and economic events. It's out of our
1: control. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was having this thought Even 12 years ago or 14 years ago, it was all about banking. Everybody wanted to come out of school and go into finance because that's where the money was. And now all anybody wants to do is graduate and go work for a tech company, right? And that the tech entrepreneurs are now the kingpins of sort of the NAS, whatever, the stock market and all that. So is that kind of your perspective as the world has shifted in terms of where money is being made or how it's being made, has that also affected your looking back and saying, oh, I wish I had done more of that?
0: Not for the time period out of college. I still think that doing the investment banking analyst program at a bulge bracket bank is one of the best training grounds you could possibly have. You know, I mentor a lot of students from my undergrad. And I, to this day, tell them, this is a very valid path. If you want to learn how to think about business and industry and analyze those and understand economic and financial trends and valuation, gives you a lot of great basics and foundation, teaches you work ethic and how to work on a team and all of these things. When I advise students today, I do tell them, look, you should also look at entry-level positions at the top technology companies because they too are terrific places to start.
1: I want to ask this question because my parents are immigrants like you and my dad's 93 and all these years, I think he's been back to Korea like twice and he never had a thought to ever go back. And neither has my, well, I I don't know, maybe my mom did, but if not for my dad, right? But my dad never really wanted to go back. Do you feel the same way about Bulgaria? Like this is it, you are home, you are never going back? Yes, yeah, very much so. Wow, okay, and that's without hesitation.
0: Without hesitation. Now, of course, I have a sister who lives in Bulgaria and uh, she's a homebody, so she will never move here. (laughs) So I will continue to spend time In Bulgaria, to be able to spend time with my sister and family in general, but New York is home.
1: And do you say that even though the world is so topsy-turvy here and so much of what's going to happen in the next four years is uncertain?
0: Where we stand today, I still say that I will have to see what happens (laughs) in four years, but I don't think that if I were to leave, I would move back to Bulgaria. I've become a huge fan of Spain. I believe Madrid is the most beautiful and awesome city in Europe. And so if I were moving back to Europe, it will likely be
1: Spain. (laughs) Do you have moments of just missing home acutely? I know my parents did. I'm just curious if you do. I miss
0: people. I don't miss the place anymore. But I miss people and I miss having my parents closer, both to spend holidays together.
1: How was that during COVID? Because, I mean, obviously the entire world was on lockdown. And for you, that must have felt even more isolating.
0: Yes, it did. I, I wasn't able to go home in 2020. Uh, I go home every year, sometimes twice a year, or my parents come and visit and this was probably the longest time we hadn't seen each other face to face. And that was hard. You know, Europe in general had less access, you know, delayed access to vaccines and delayed access to resources. And so I worried for them during that time.
1: If you could offer a bit of advice to, let's say, some little girl in Bulgaria who has dreams of moving to the U.S., perhaps not now, but, you know, um, has has dreams of moving to the U.S. and studying here and making a life here. What would you say to her? Go for it.
0: It's still the best place to
1: come and learn. I think
0: that the concept of liberal arts that exists here is Unique and incredibly valuable and it exposes you to so much and it teaches you to think critically and express yourself. So having this period to explore and really figure out sort of what you are interested in and what you want to pursue as a major is rare and valuable. So go for it.
1: And then if you could say to the American citizens who perhaps have their heads in the sand... What would you say to them about this pivotal moment in which we are living?
0: I would say don't stand on the sidelines. Get involved. At the minimum, make sure you vote. If you can, if you have resources, whether those are resources as time and you can write letters or canvas or monetary resources where you can donate to campaigns that support values like yours and protect the democracy, don't miss your chance to make sure that this democracy gets
1: reserved. Thank you. That's a great place to end. So the last question, if you could name one song that resonates with you or speaks to you or feels as though the songwriter was writing it for you, what is that song and why?
0: Well, I don't know whether it was written for my life but uh but it's a song that once it came out has really resonated with me. It's a song by Mark Anthony, and it's called in Spanish Vivir mi vida, which means, you know, live my life. This is a song that I love listening to overall because it's kind of a, a song that you listen to both in good times and in bad, and it, it reminds you to keep staying in the present, focusing on the positive that all sort of the painful moments or difficult moments will pass. It's very much
1: aligned with kind of my vision of the world. Thank you so much uh, for doing this with us. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Phoenix Tales, a show about women overcoming challenges and like the Phoenix to be reborn, their lives reimagined. Make sure to tune in to our next episode to hear another inspired story. I am Yuliana Kim-Grant. The show is edited by Podigy. Music is by Ryan Pruitt. It's like a dream, so let me never wake up. I was so hung up on myself just like a stick in the mud. A little time, a little patience, when I got tired of waiting, then I found that gem within me sticking out of the mud. And they gonna ask me why I do it, I'ma say just because, we gon' be the best on Earth just like we be out in Pass behind me like a book bag, hanging down a coat rag, focused on the future, not that coulda, shoulda, would.